Welcome to NFL Friday. This is Christian Goey. I'm in my room from home. That's why you hear me on the phone right now. But in the studio in Rose Hill is John Furlong and Reed Horner's behind the glass doing double duty, uh, hosting and producing the great Reed Horner. We're talking more playoffs. It's divisional round this week, guys. We have a lot of ground to cover. The Giants uh, getting taken down in Green Bay. I don't know if that was a surprise to you guys, but we, we have a lot to talk about with them. Tom Scabelli's final report. And I know John Furlong's passionate about his Dolphins. we got to get <laughs> his take on the Dolphins and then look ahead to this weekend's games. Uh, divisional round, as I said, so we have four really, really good games, in my opinion, except for maybe the Patriots. Reed has his own opinion on that one. Uh, how you guys doing today? I'm good, Christian. How you doing, man? It must be nice being all chill in your room yeah, right now. Yeah, you know, I feel like an outcast right now, a <laughs> little brat, but, you know, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it right now. I'm doing this from, from my room. Yeah, technically, wouldn't it be tonight? I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I'm no, sorry. I don't want to be that guy. Sorry, but Reed. It's, 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 <laughs> Anyways, glad to be here though. Whatever time it is, Reed, you, you've become a regular as as you are now. You're I think that's just because Reed. I fill the space for people that <laughs> that <laughs> usually sit in this chair. But I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, let's just let's just get right to it. The Giants, thirty eight thirteen loss in Green Bay. Uh, they started off pretty pretty good, and then they they faltered late in the first half, and they continued in the second half. And Aaron Rodgers is about as hot as any quarterback in the league. Packers about as hot as any team in the league. I want to get your takes, and I have plenty to say as well. But first, let's hear from Tom Scavelli, our Giants beat reporter. He gave us his final report of the season. Well, that's it. The Giants season came to a screeching halt Saturday in Green Bay with an embarrassing 38-13 loss. It was probably the sloppiest and worst game Big Blue played all season, and it couldn't have come at a worse time. They just made mistake after mistake. Dropped passes held them to field goals early on, and it only got worse from there. Special teams, highlighted by Bobby Rainey's inexcusable return blunder, was a disaster. The defense made the biggest mistake of the game at the end of the first half by allowing that Hail Mary touchdown. You just can't let a receiver get behind you there, and you have to knock the ball down. And as for the offense, they were just as bad or worse than everyone else. Eli played well, but got no help from his receivers. They didn't run the ball well, and the play calling was atrocious. How many running back draws can one team run? And on a critical third and one in the season's biggest game, they ran the ball with Bobby Rainey. Enough said. As for Odell, it's time for him to grow up. He didn't play poorly because of his little boat trip, but when you do something like that, you deserve all the heat you're going to get if you play bad. And then he threw his typical tantrum, punching the wall post-game. I maintain that Odell's not a bad locker room guy, but he needs to mature. He has the talent to be the best receiver ever, but it's time to grow up. An 11-5 season with a playoff trip is nice, but a game like that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. However, the Giants can be even better next season. The top offseason priority should be fixing the play calling, straightening out Odell, getting Eric Flowers as far away from left tackle as possible, re-signing JPP, and improving the O-line and tight end. Well, that's it for me this season. It's been a blast covering the Giants. I just wish it could have ended better. With the last Giants report of the season, I'm Tom Scabelli, WFUV Sports. Great finish for uh, Tom Scabelli there. A great, great report. Uh, covered a lot of ground in that report. And, you know, I like his take on Odell Beckham Jr., guys. This is a guy I've been very critical of, even though I'm a big fan of his game ever since his LSU days. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. has always struck me as a guy who could be a number one in the NFL, and he's proven it. But his behavior... Um, oftentimes is disappointing. And and that has cast a shadow over the team. It cast a shadow over them on Sunday against the Packers, um, having the week the week of Monday on their off day, going down to Miami on the boat trip. Uh, but even as harsh of a critic as I can be, even though I don't think I'm harsh on him, as much of a critic as I can be on his behavior, I don't have a problem with the boat trip. 
we'll get your take on that. I, I mean, I, I can see uh, the criticism, but as far as the game goes, I was surprised with the outcome. Um, 38-13 loss for the Giants. I thought the way they get they got off to a great start, in my opinion, defensively. Uh, Aaron Rodgers did not look comfortable. They couldn't run the ball. And Jordy Nelson got hurt. Mm-hmm. And it looked like the Giants had a significant um, advantage early on until that Hail Mary by Aaron Rodgers and at the end of the first half. And then Green Bay just took control. I'll go one better there, Christian. And as you say, great report there from Tom Scapelli. Kind of covered all bases there, really. Got just about everything there, but I'm going to go one further for you there. I think everything changed when Aaron Rodgers rolled out of the pocket and extended that play with his legs for about, it, it, it felt like two years he was back in the pocket. He had so much time to throw on that first touchdown pass. I forget who it was to, but he threw it over to the left side of the end zone, and that was the first time that the Packers really seemed to solve the defensive pressure of the Giants, and after that it was just kind of all downhill for the Giants. They they couldn't stop Aaron Rodgers after that. Obviously, the Hail Mary, that's going to be talked about at length, as it should be. But once they came out in the second half, they just had no answer for Aaron Rodgers. And I think it all started on that one play where Aaron Rodgers kept the play alive with his legs, threw an absolute bullet to his receiver. Again, I really should know who caught that pass, but it was an absolute bullet to whoever caught it. And right after that, he was Aaron Rodgers, the the hot Aaron Rodgers that he's been in the second half of the season. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that, John, though. I would say the turning point in the game for me came a lot later. It actually, most would point to that Hail Mary, right? Oh, my God, lucky. Not lucky, actually, skillful throw. No, that was a fantastic they throw. They planned those things up. But besides the fact, the turning point seemed to be, I don't know if you guys remember, in the second half, the Packers went forward on fourth down. Giants stopped them. I was thinking— That was an awful call. I was thinking— No, actually, I agree with that. Yeah, that's a great That's a great point, Reed. I was thinking, wow, this is the Giants that are going to go on the road. They're going to capture momentum. And then Eli Manning all of a sudden darts a pass down the uh, field, number 15. I forgot his name. Uh, really, yeah, really fast touchdown. I'm like, wow, this is the Giants I expected to see. They're going to come here, and they're going to make this game competitive. And the moment Aaron Rodgers then came back right down and made an even faster drive and scored a touchdown, I was like— they're done. It was, they it was a backbreaker is what that was. That's exactly Giants had momentum, but a momentum swing the other way that quickly just kills a team. It and, really does. And that's what it was. It wasn't the dropped passes. It wasn't the Hail Mary. It was the inability to, as a defense, contain them for multiple drives. Did the Giants, and this is something I thought, they let the Packers hang around too often in that first half. Getting two field goals was big for the Packers. Just allowing two field goals. Uh, to the Giants was big for the Packers, in my opinion. The drops by Odell Beckham Jr. and Sterling Shepard in the end zone, not that they were easy catches for touchdowns. But you got to make those catches. But you, those are catches they typically make and NFL pros should make. That was huge to me. The Giants really let the Packers hang around, and eventually, at the end of the second quarter, then in the first half, the Packers found their groove, and that Hail Mary to me was the game. Going into the half, up 14-6 for the Packers, after I thought the Giants won the first half, at least yardage-wise, that was the game. At that, at the end of the first half, you knew the Packers going up 14-6 on that miracle Hail, Hail Mary. Aaron Rodgers does it time and time again. I don't know how he does, but that's just how good he is. Um, that was the game to me. Uh, letting them hang around like that, that was bad for the Giants. And then they made crucial mistakes. Tom said in his report they were very sloppy in this game. No, I agree with Tom's report 100%. I think this was maybe with the exception of the Pittsburgh game when they went up to Pittsburgh and lost. I think this was the worst game that, that, that as Tom said, Big Blue has played this season. It was sloppy. They... They couldn't... They, they didn't take their opportunities when they were there. They had two... Clear-cut right. touchdowns. They had Sterling Shepard dropped a touchdown. Exactly. Odell Beckham dropped a touchdown. Instead of 14 points, that's six points. And you, who knows where the game goes if they're up 14 nothing as opposed to 6 nothing in the first quarter. They could have easily won that game. Maybe, maybe that takes the air out of Aaron Rodgers' sails. Maybe they get some sort of crazy turnover because Aaron Rodgers tries to force a pass here down 14 instead of down 6. If he's down 6, he knows, okay, all I need is one good pass and one good drive. Yeah. And we, we, we're in the lead. Down 14, he's thinking to himself, okay, okay, maybe i got to do something more special here. Maybe throw someone to Janoris Jenkins, gets a good return, and next thing you know, it could be 17 or even 21 nothing. That would have been the game right there. Without a doubt. And that's that just shows you you've got to take your opportunities when you're there, and you can't let a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, you can't give him, you can't keep him in the game 
when he's not playing well. You've got to punish him when he's not playing well. And I think this game taught all of us as football fans, not just about these two teams, but about what's important when constructing a team in general. We talked about the Giants' defense, $200 million defense, elite, I would say, still they're still an elite secondary. But what they lacked in that Green Bay game was a pass rush, and they gave Aaron Rodgers way too much time, as you said, Christian, to throw the ball, which ended up proving their, like, to their fault that the cornerbacks can only cover receivers for so long. So no matter how good your secondary is, it's still more important, at least this is what I took from the game, to have a pass rush. And just quickly, before to give you guys an idea about how exciting this game or how, how important this game was to people in America, this game had a higher ratings on TV than the college football national championship game. Like, this was yeah. a big-time game in Lambeau Field, and I the assume, Giants laid an egg. I assume that was the most-watched game of the weekend, right, Reed? <laughs> Ratings-wise? Yeah, I, I don't know that for a fact, so okay. don't quote me. I, I thought you would have had all four of the ratings there. Especially considering the previous three games. Bro. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it was the most exciting out of all four of the NFL playoff games, or the most anticipated. And so. it was 38-13, shows you how exciting the other games were. Yeah. Perry doesn't speaking, always happen. Three, you touched on their secondary. How much do you guys think losing DRC, Dominic Rogers, Cromartie, uh, meant to the Giants? Because that was a guy... Janoris Jenkins is the clear-cut number one corner, but he's the, he's a very steady corner, Dominique rogers Camardi. Injuries have been his issue in the NFL, and he was a big reason why they were calling themselves the New York pass defense late in the season. Um, losing him could have been huge for, for the Packers, but the Packers also lost Jordy Nelson, so I'm not exactly sure if they cancel out, but I can see how Giants fans... Uh, we're very frustrated losing him, considering he really makes up a big part of that. So, I don't think that made a ton of a difference. I think that the secondary is the Giants, if not one of their biggest strengths, it is their biggest strength. And I think yeah. they had, I think they had more than enough depth to cover up the 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 absence of DRC in that game. I think if he stays in that game, I don't think he makes much of an not that he doesn't make much of an impact, but I don't think the score is much as as different. As it might have been if he was there, I think maybe it's like a thirty-one thirteen game or something like that. He wouldn't have he would have made that much of an impact on the score. Well, also if you say. if you go back at the tape, guys, you look at it. Most of the Green Bay passing, not even just touching them, but passes in general, were down the middle of the field. Yeah, exactly. And I feel he would have been on the outside. They were to players like Randall Cobb, who was really lighting up the middle. So I think you want to Devontae Adams. Touchdowns. Devontae Adams. Adams went to my high school, by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so it was this. It was the the safeties. The line. I see. The problem with that is just it, with the defense, you can't really call out one player. It's usually the schemes. Multiple people fail at multiple things. And quite frankly, I want to go back to the pass rush. They did not have a pass rush. Something that all giant Super Bowl teams have had in the past is they don't give players like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers time to throw. Aaron Rodgers had enough time to throw a touchdown pass and then do his own commercial for State Farm right afterwards. <laughs> like he had, he had hours in the pocket, not minutes. Look, I, I agree with everything we've said about the game. Uh, we don't disagree on anything. The Giants did not look good. They let the Packers hang around. And you can't do that with Aaron Rodgers. John said he's just too darn good to, to let, you know, stand in the pocket and fire away, even without Jordy Nelson. But the main story was Odell Beckham Jr. and the receivers going down to Miami. Unfortunately, that cast a shadow over the game, and that cast a shadow over the loss, and that became the narrative. Um, I personally do not have a problem with them going down to Miami and having a good time. But look, Odell Beckham Jr. just shows he's not only immature, he's just not very smart. He puts a target on his back time and time again, and he acts like an idiot. He really does. And, and I think he can be the best receiver of all time. That's how talented I think he is. I love watching the guy play, and I think he's a good guy, and I don't think he's a locker room cancer. But he does give them a lot of negative public publicity, and that's a big problem. And and I want to hear what you guys have to say about the whole boat trip thing, but I personally don't think the boat trip had a problem. I just think the way he continues to handle himself, posting things, and just putting un, unwanted, unnecessary attention on the team, that's a problem. Having to back it up is a problem. Not going to Miami, that didn't have anything to do with their play, but him doing what he does, him posting it, him – him acting like it's nothing, acting very arrogant before the game without their shirts on and taking a video. They're just, they put a target on their back and they give themselves a disadvantage before the, even, before the game even starts. 
Christian, there's also a target on his back because he's just so darn good. I mean, he single-handedly won that Cowboys game. And you, when you can say a player single-handedly won a game besides a quarterback, that's 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 a special kind of player. No one else in the league could have made the – besides maybe Antonio Brown, no other player in the league could have made the play that he did to win that Cowboys game because the Giants had done nothing on offense all game, and all it took was a quick slant over the middle, and Odell just outran the entire Dallas secondary for the touchdown and, get, and got them that win. That probably got them into the playoffs. Yeah. But I think – Nobody doubts his ability, I don't think. No, I'm just saying that it's 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 good to preface what I'm about to say with what I'm saying here. But you're 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 right, Christian. He's he acts like an idiot. He puts a target on his back. He reflects the team very poorly. He reflects Jerry Reese poorly. He reflects the Mara family poorly. He reflects the coach poorly. He reflects his his offensive coordinator poorly. He reflects the entire team poorly. And you can you no, no matter how good of a player that is, you matter how much of a, how good of a player he is, you just you just don't want that. In your franchise, he's, uh, you're right, Tom said it, Christian said it, he's not really a cancer-type guy in the locker room, he's not someone who's going to divide opinion and, and put, divide a locker room, but he just, he just brings bad press, and how how yeah. good can he be to outweigh the bad press that he brings? Um, no, I, I agree. Odell Beckham is the most talented receiver in the NFL, but I think many times we mistake talent with greatness. He is not the best receiver in the NFL, and a lot of it has to do with I think I need more of a body of work from him, but I also need to see him act like a superstar and act like a receiver. There's a lot more to the job than just catching touchdowns. That being said, I also, with Christian, I have no problem with the boat trip. I think we'd all be idiots to say that these guys are the first pro athletes to go down to Miami private jet and live it up. That's all good and well. It was just, it was just stu- like, why would you do that? That's the problem I why have How would with you him. open yourself up to criticism like that? They yeah. knew if they were going to lose that game, everyone was going to say, no. everyone was going to point to that boat trip. But John, Did they, they really didn't. not think that? Yeah, yeah, that, this is the problem. They we, didn't they think didn't that. They didn't think that. And I will give, I want to be a little nice to Odell. He was not the only Giants receiver on that boat. It's he's true. Just, I, he's just the best. They were all down there. But I'm that, most disappointed. Yeah, were, to be quite honest, I'm most disappointed in Victor Cruz. I thought he would be better than I, that. I, I really... I really, I just don't. I mean, I the idea of pub, of publicizing the trip was my issue. Is that you didn't yeah. think you'd have that backlash in this day and age? I mean, like, 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 you guys agree with me? They're not the first receivers to go out and party on the week before a big playoff no, game. Like, this is not it. But to publicly do that, and then not only that, to wear um, boots on a boat. Come on, guys. And uh, they're not waterproof. <laughs> like, that's horrible choice. That just shows you he just does not know how to make the right decisions. But yet. then, Christian, you said it as well. They're out there, no shirts on, taking selfies at Lambeau Field. Like, really, guys? Like, oh no, this is your first playoff game of your career. Like, you've you've worked six, seven, eight months for this game. And you're out there, no shirt on, not taking your warm up seriously. Maybe instead of holding a phone before the game, you should have been holding footballs because they really look, didn't do a lot of that during the game. The whole thing to this is, if you're gonna talk, if you're gonna talk to talk, you gotta walk the walk. That's what made Muhammad Ali the greatest. You know, Conor McGregor right now, he's on top of the world. They didn't back it up. Odell Beckham Jr. had perhaps his worst game, maybe his NFL career. Yeah, he might have. I, I'm, I would go that far and say that was his worst game as a New York Giant, without a doubt. Well, going into Four Lambeau, the, 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 it was freezing cold. Two big drops. Yeah. I don't think the last drop was fair. I think that was a bad pass by Eli. But even that, he probably could have taught. We just had such high standards for Odell. But the first two were critical to the start of the game. Yeah. They had to punt the ball off after he caught an easy first down pass. Um and then he dropped the touchdown pass, which he really should have caught. It was a tough, you know, contort your body type touchdown. But he really should catch that. And he did not perform. Victor Cruz did not perform. And Sterling Shepard dropped a touchdown pass. So, look, when you do what they do and you're in the New York media market, you've got to perform. And then that's the biggest criticism. If they go out and perform, then fine, whatever. You can keep talking as long as you back it up. Back it up. But... If you're going to keep putting targets on your back, you really got to perform, and they didn't. And that's that's the story for the Giants. And they have a lot to improve. I, I think they're a really good team going forward. I think they have a, a good nucleus, but they have a lot to improve on. Any other thoughts? No. No, I, yeah. I, I think... how, we, how, we, how we summed up the Giants. In the well, I, I don't want to repeat okay. myself. I think it's a <laughs> lack of self-awareness by all the receivers, and I don't – I want to – don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but don't expect this to be something different. I think this is going to be the story of Beckham's career, like many diva receivers. No, to go off of what Reed just said, I think 
he's got he's at a real crossroads right now. He can go down yeah. the route of being Larry Fitzgerald or Jerry Rice, kind of a, a very, very talented receiver who keeps his mouth shut and does his job, or he could go down the route of Terrell Owens and Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson, who just run their mouth and are, are remembered to this day as motor mouths over the fact that they were incredibly, supremely talented receivers. So right. he's had a real he's going to make a decision one way or another. He's got two he's got two roads he can go down. He's not going to go down the middle. He can't go down the middle. He's got to pick one or two ways. And I hope he picks the road, the Larry Fitzgerald road, because Larry Fitzgerald has had a heck of a career. But it's to be seen. I all bets are off with him. I he's very very hard to predict. So we'll see what happens. I hope for his sake and for the Giants' sake, he goes down one road rather than the uh, the other road. Yeah, it's a very interesting topic, and we could talk about this for a long time. And we, I think we've already spent 15 minutes talking about it, but we got to move on to some less interesting games. Um, I think it's fair to say the previous three games, as I said, in the wild card round uh, were kind of snooze fest. And, John, I know you're passionate about one of them, and you'll get your, you, you, you'll get your opinion in there. But uh, just to recap, Seattle beat Detroit 26-6 um, Saturday night game, I believe. Um, Oakland beat uh, Oakland lost to Houston twenty seven fourteen. That was probably one of the worst games I've ever seen. Uh, this is boring. Any game Houston is in, I feel like yeah. is just the Houston worst always game. plays in these snooze fest games. Whether they win or lose, they always play a snooze fest. It seems like they always put them. ESPN seems to always get stuck with that game. They always well, they're, they're in they're they, in such an awful division. So they I make know the playoffs every year. I know it's just it's the Colts and the, the Colts and Titans are both on their way up now. Especially oh, yeah. the Titans, so I think they're going to have a lot more competition in that division. But man, oh man, was that a was that a snooze fest? And, and then, and then the game that uh, I'm sure you were glued to: uh, Pittsburgh, Miami, thirty to twelve victory for the Steelers over the Dolphins. <laughs> Wait, my the Dolphins lost? What? The Dolphins lost, John. And what? I can, I'm going to give the floor to you right now. You can talk. <laughs> That's about news your to Dolphins. me. I thought they were playing on Sunday. What is this? <laughs> now, nah, just kidding, guys. I'll say this about the game. It was a really sad end of the season, but I can't say I was surprised by it. I thought I thought the Dolphins would keep the game close until the third quarter, and then there would be some big breakout play, big deep pass to Antonio Brown that would just ice the game, and the Dolphins yeah. would have nothing at the end of the game. It turns out I was right about a big deep pass to Antonio Brown. I just had it in the wrong quarter. He had it in the first quarter rather than the fourth quarter, and that iced the game from the beginning. <laughs> the first two possessions of, this, of the game were just embarrassing, first of all. I don't know why. I, I can't say I was surprised because the secondary has been just absolutely awful the entire season. Even with all four starters, the secondary has been awful. But down our top cornerback and to- down our top two safeties, yeah, it was just... Without I, your, I, yeah, your quarterback. I thought Matt Moore played... No, I'll get, I'll get to Matt Moore in a second, but I... Anyone, any Dolphins fan, any NFL fan who didn't see that coming, Antonio Brown having one hundred over one hundred fifty yards and two touchdowns, they were lying to themselves. That was a, that was a picture perfect matchup for him at home in the playoffs against a really depleted and weak secondary. I mean, you, you knew he was going to have a field day. And Miami sucks traveling, honestly, especially to the Northeast. Let's just be honest; they don't play well in the cold weather. I think if this was in Miami, correct me if I'm wrong, John, it would have been a lot closer of a game, even with more behind center. Um, no, I'm going to disagree with you there, Reed. I think that whole traveling in the cold weather thing is a bit overstated. I know Tannehill, there was a lot of issues. His rookie year, his 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 second year in the league, a lot of people were just like, "Oh my God, he's only played in 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 cold climate. He's only played in excuse me in a warm climate because he went to Texas A&M and grew up in Texas." Um, but yeah, he's only people were saying, oh, he's only played in warm climates. What's going to happen when he goes up and plays in cold weather games? Well, four years ago, or excuse me, three years ago, he went up to Pittsburgh in a game that was in the mid- basically in the middle of a snowstorm. He went up there and had one of the best games of his career, and so did the Dolphins. So the Dolphins, they don't. But I mean, the exception to the rule does not make the rule. Not, I mean, non-existent. Just because they've done it before does not mean they consistently have proven right, they're good on the road. Let's think of the games that they've played that they play in the Northeast. They won the game against Buffalo, and that was a game that they should have won, and they did win. Of course, they lost to the Patriots because the Patriots are the best team in the league. Of course, they lost to the pa- to, they lost to the uh, the Bengals at the time when the Bengals still had actually something to play for in this season, and they lost to the Steelers. I mean, those are three 
decent teams with the exception of the Bengals, but they were a much, much different team at the beginning but they of the season. But they beat this Pittsburgh team earlier in the season at in home. In Miami. But so, that, so you're saying that Tannehill is that important, that uh, he is yeah. the reason they were that successful? Because I remember just last year, I know he had a good season, but just last year they were like, you know what, He's maybe he's, he's plateaued. He's not the quarterback of the future we thought he'd be. If Tannehill's in that game, I think it's about the same score. I really think that Matt Moore did an incredible job. I honestly think he did a better job than Tannehill would have. I really Look, I, I truly believe that. Pittsburgh's just a better team. No, absolutely. And the fact that Pittsburgh just had an off day when Miami beat him earlier in the season. J.H.I. just had an incredible game. That was one of two games this season where all five of Miami's offensive line starters were healthy. One of two games. And the two games where all five starters were healthy, J.H.I., he had 200 yards. Only three of the five starters were healthy in this Pittsburgh game. We'll get to our predictions for the divisional round in a bit, but... I see what everybody's talking about with the Steelers. Their defense is clicking at the right time. Their run defense is significantly improved. <laughs> they held Ajayi to, what, 33 yards or yeah, something? Yeah, no, he, Ajayi hit absolutely. And Ajayi is a good running back. I think he just got lucky in a couple games. But he's a very he's I a very, he's very good funny. young back. And he's he's. Uh, I'm excited for the future to have him in our backfield. But, man, oh, man, that Steelers, that Steelers run defense was fantastic. Look, I, I don't think it was a very – winnable game for the Dolphins, no. not having their starting quarterback going into Pittsburgh against a hot team. It's nothing against the Dolphins. They were shorthanded um, in, a, in a tough atmosphere against a really good team. I wasn't expecting – I was actually impressed with the Dolphins, honestly, how they hung around with Matt Moore in there and despite not being able to run the ball. It's just really, really tough to start to stop that three-headed monster of Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and they have other weapons. Wow, those are just the featured weapons. Here's the thing, though, Christian. This game was closer than the scoreline suggests. This game really wasn't a 30-12 to game, besides the fact after after the eight-minute mark of the, of the first quarter when Antonio Brown had his second touchdown, from that point on, <laughs> you can make the argument that the Dolphins actually outplayed the Steelers, maybe because the Steelers kind of took their foot off the gas knowing they were up 14 nothing. But Matt Moore went out there. He played well. JHI, obviously, he really he didn't have much because we were talking about the Steelers' run defense and how that was fantastic. But if Matt yeah. Moore doesn't have those two turnovers inside the Steelers' 25-yard line, this is a one-possession game until the end. I, I, no, I seriously I believe that. I agree. It wasn't, it wasn't as far apart as the score suggests. No, absolutely. Oh, of course, yeah. This game, yep. this, this could have turned into like a 30-24 game if Matt Moore ends up throwing a couple touchdowns instead of having a couple turnovers. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, as far as the other games, Seattle, Detroit, I didn't, you know, I was I was pulling for Detroit. Matt Stafford is a great quarterback, but he has that finger issue, and I wasn't expecting much. And, and they didn't get into the red zone at all. They just could never get over that 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 hump against Seattle. That that third down conversion that they needed, they never got. Um, so they they. they they got trounced, essentially. Yeah. Seattle eventually just ran away with it. And as I said, Houston and Oakland. Brock Osweiler played okay. He didn't put up huge numbers, but he made some big throws at the right time. Um, and in the Houston defense is for real. I know Connor Cook started, it, and, and that's tough for Connor Cook, and Houston should take advantage of that. But Jadavion Clowney looked really good, and, and that defense is a force, despite not having J.J. Watt. But uh, were you guys surprised with any of the results? No, not at all. I think all the the better team and the I the better team before who the objective better team won all four games. I think people people were people were predicting all four of the winners before these games. I don't think anybody got any of these games wrong. What uh, about you, Reed? I did. I just thought I think the Stafford injury to in Detroit Seattle was a lot more impactful and evident than I thought it would be. I thought Detroit would at least hang around in that. They didn't. I also thought the Giants were going to come and, and beat Green Bay. I saw Green Bay had a lot of holes that I thought the Giants took advantage of. That being said, I'm not surprised with all the winners. Um, and we're not really going to start biting our nails, let's say, until the conference championships, honestly. Or yeah. maybe a couple of the games coming up. But I, 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 I don't know yet. Well, I mean, I think this weekend's going to be a, a much better weekend as far as competitive games go. Yeah, these should be uh, some really good games this weekend. Which means yeah. they're all going to be blowout, just because we all said <laughs> that. Just because I just said that. <laughs> uh, first on Saturday, we have Seattle at Atlanta, and then the night game is Houston in New England. Um, and then on Sunday, we have Green Bay at Dallas. That 
that's another four o'clock game. And then Pittsburgh at KC was moved to to, to I believe eight thirty today. So um, I like all those games except for Houston and, and New England. Another cakewalk for Tom Brady and the Patriots. To Don't the Super say Bowl, it. You ask me. Um, so let's just get right into our predictions for these games. Let's start off with with um, Seattle at, at Atlanta. Atlanta had a buy of, of course, the first uh, week last week, and they've had some time to prepare, and they get Seattle at home. Seattle looks pretty good. I think people are underestimating them, but I still think Atlanta gets this win. Um, Matt, Matt Ryan's my MVP. Wow. No, I'm with you, Christian. I think that Matt Ryan is the MVP, but how can you overlook his 1-4 record in the playoffs? Everybody calls him Matty Ice. He's so good this in clutch situations. No, go ahead. Uh, this is a different year for him. That's, that's, that's why. I think this is the year it all came together for him, and I think he's a great quarterback. Um, I'm also a big BC fan, so I got yeah. to admit Fair enough. my bias. But, you know, I'm a big Matty Ice fan, and I'll take him over a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL – and they have a dy- dynamic offense with Devontae Freeman, Julio Jones, uh, Kevin Coleman. So I think they have enough firepower to get it done against Seattle. If they were in Seattle, I would go with Seattle. Um, but the fact that it's in Atlanta in that dome, I'm going to get. I have to give Atlanta the edge. Uh, you know, I, I see the argument for Seattle. They're coming into their own at the right time. But I'm going Atlanta, guys. Christian, I'm going to play devil's advocate for you there. I think if you're picking Atlanta, <laughs> the fact that Seattle's kind of thrown in a couple of clunkers here and there this season. Like, for example, week one against Miami, they played terribly and were very, very lucky to escape with a win. Both their games against the Cardinals, one of them ended in a tie. One of them ended with them losing to the Cardinals late, which actually knocked them out of the number two seed. This game would have been in Seattle if they would have won that game. So if you're picking Atlanta, you've got to be pretty confident that this Seattle team really seems to throw in clunkers here and there. Yeah, definitely. They're 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 inconsistent at times. And look, that Detroit game, at they it didn't start off as a blowout. Detroit could have made that a game, but they just could never get over the hump offensively. They couldn't make that conversion, as I said. And then eventually Seattle just ran away with it at the end. Doug Baldwin made plays and Russell Wilson made plays and Thomas Rawls was fantastic. But Seattle was not dominant. They just they trounced them at the end of the game. And Detroit, you know, Matt Stafford was injured, and that was a big impact on the game. So that's why I think, you know, Atlanta, I think they can win. I, Seattle is not the team they once were. They're still a really good team, and people do underestimate them. And they can get the win. But I just – Atlanta is having a great year. Matt Ryan's having a year like he's never had before. And he's had some good years. Um, so I got to give Atlanta the win. I think I've solved Matt Ryan's career. It's going to be like this for the rest of his life. So listen here. <laughs> he seems to have this fluctuating, I don't know, uh, performances or seasons. He, he has a year that's really good. Then he has a year that's really bad. Then he has a decent year, and then all of a sudden he comes back to a really good year. So I think every three years you can expect to have a season like he's having this year, and he's in the midst of that. That being said, I I trust them to go past Seattle just because Seattle's not as well-rounded as this Atlanta team, which which their offense is so dynamic, it rivals the best. I mean, I would I would arguably say it's the best offense in the league right now. Uh, but I don't trust this team to go deep into the playoffs, meaning in Houston at least. Okay. No, another. If you're, this is another one for you, Christian. But the only Matt Ryan's only playoff win was at home against the Seahawks four years ago. So another. More, yeah, evidence, I more evidence. That. That more Russell evidence Wilson's if you're if you're if you're picking the uh, yeah that was Russell Wilson's rookie year yeah the year before they went to the Super Bowl but yeah that if you're picking Atlanta you've got a lot you've got a lot in your favor I'll say that but if you are picking Seattle you've got Matt Ryan going up against that one and four playoff record which is not so pretty. wait so wait John just clarify who are you picking I am picking Seattle in this game. Oh, you're picking Seattle. I know. I was saying a lot of these devil's advocate things, but I just you've become the devil. I just ha- yeah I, <laughs> actually though, but I have this. I have this deep down feeling that Atlanta's just gonna let this one slip away. They always Atlanta's one of those franchises that just seems to not take the opportunities when they come. I.e., when they hosted the NFC title game four years ago after they beat Seattle, they really should have won that game against Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers, and they just they just let it slip away. And I think this is gonna be another one of those opportunities. No, that go that's gonna here. happen. That's gonna happen in their next game. No, all right. Well, no, fair enough, Reed. I believe you, but I think people are short selling this Seattle team. They're still a really good team. They're still yeah, and look they. They should have won it. They they really could have won in Seattle earlier this year. But that's that's a whole other conversation. Houston in New England. 
Now, if we don't all agree on this one, we have a significant problem on hand. Houston's going to get murdered. Uh, they're going to get flat out murdered. Uh, if they don't, and if they beat New England, I'm going to cry laughing. I'm going to rub it in Reed's face. <laughs> oh, same. Believe me. I, th- I would think the tears. I, I would think the tears would come from covering the Jets all season, not from, oh, not yeah, from yeah, the Patriots funny. losing to Houston. <laughs> uh, hey, you were the one who volunteered to cover that last Jets game. All right, come on now. <laughs> You, you were the, you volunteered for that. You know, it was, and it was a great experience. The Jets know how to treat their reporters. Two square meals, good. Hey, there you go. Hey, you know, if Brock Osweiler takes down Tom Brady and the Patriots, and New England, <laughs> it's just so funny to hear. The year will be made. <laughs> Nothing will matter but that. Uh, well, I take that back. I would prefer the Jets play off the Patriots, but still, <laughs> it will definitely make it feel. Christian, good. Christian, we're talking about things that could actually happen here, so let's just stay in the realm of possibility. <laughs> Christian, yeah, I, you know. <laughs> I'll say, but, but we all agree. We I'll all agree. This is going to be a bloodbath. Uh, yes, absolutely. I agree. It's going to be at least a seventeen-point victory for New England. But, no way. But 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 Houston does have a very good defensive line. Patriots' offensive line has been good, not great this season, especially against defending the pass, or excuse me, protecting Tom Brady, not defending the pass, protecting Tom Brady. If Jadavian Clowney and Vince Wilfork somehow get two or three sacks each, and they're pressuring Tom Brady. Each? And they're, and yeah, them. no, what? seriously, it, that's the only way Houston's <laughs> going to have a shot in this game, even if they each get two or three sacks. Two or three sacks. Osweiler has, like, four touchdown passes, <laughs> you know, like, just, just, just destroying the And Patriots. they still might only win by three, all right? That's I, that's the way this game is going to go. People don't talk about LeGarrick Blunt. He's one of the most underrated backs in the league. He's going to have I a field day against, this, against, against Houston. John, you hit on it. The blueprint is very clear to beating Tom Brady. Get him, get, get him, get him rattled. You gotta get pressure on him. When you get his feet moving in the pocket, he is not the same quarterback. The problem is the Patriots' offensive line is so darn good, and he's so she's so good at getting the ball out of his hands quickly that it rarely happens. But whenever teams beat Tom Brady, it's because they get pressure on him. Whitney Marcellus, Jadavion Clowney, Vince Wilfork, Wilfork. If only they had J.J. Watt, there yeah. could be a chance Tom Brady wouldn't have a good good game. But he's going to have a great game, and the Patriots are going to win. I think the game's going to start be a lot closer in the beginning than most people expect. But by the end of the third quarter, we're going to know the Patriots are going to come out with about a fourteen win victory. That's what it always seems to happen. That's yeah, what I just I just think the, the Patriots—they're not overlooking the Texans from at least all the interviews you see with Brady and Belichick and everything. So I don't think they're going to take them for granted. But I don't think they're going to come out with an explosive, tricky kind of offense that would put points on the board early. And for that reason, Texans have a good defense. They're going to stick around a lot longer than people expect. But that being said, it's going to be kind of like a cat and mouse game with the Patriots. They're going to play with the Texans. And then once business crunch time comes around, they're going to be like, all right, guys, go home now. We're going to go to the conference championship. Time for NFL football. <laughs> guys, it's just not human how Tom Brady has a 28-2. to 28-2 touchdown interception ratio this season and it's he's the PJs. he's done it quietly as well like no one's ever he's, said... he's amazing <laughs> this anymore, okay? and who do we have to blame for him becoming a starting quarterback the new uh, york jets yeah, thanks a lot christian no no it's, it's, his, it's his new pjs you haven't heard his new tom brady's new pjs <laughs> oh god recovery don't even, pjs don't even get me started with that i'm telling you revolutionary i swear to god he just takes those endorsement deals just to mess with everybody no, I think it's let's let's move on to <laughs> fill his pockets before this becomes a podcast. Green Bay at Dallas <laughs> is the afternoon game, and it's the game I've been waiting for for a while. Um, this should be a fun for one. a while. I mean, since the Giants game ended, mm-hmm. um, I love Dak and Zeke. I was telling John before this. Um, I think Dallas. This is a really tough game to pick, but I'll 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 stay with Dallas despite how hot Green Bay is, just because it's at Dallas and Dak and Zeke. And that offensive line is just too hard to overcome. Uh, I'm going Dallas guys in a really close one. This is going to be a great game. I think the only thing the Packers are better than Dallas at is passing the ball. I think they Aaron Rodgers obviously way better than Dak Prescott. But in all other areas, Dallas is at home. Dallas has a better offensive line. Dallas has a better running game. One could argue because of their offensive line, but regardless, it exists. Dallas has a more dependable defense, and for all of those reasons, I see them winning. Though it won't be um, by a blowout by any means. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to remind us why he's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day and try to really take this Packers team that has plenty of holes, and they will also be Jordy Nelson-less. Uh, yeah. And he's going to try and push them. He's going to take this team uh, to about the fourth quarter, but... 
I think you're going to see Dallas really dominate this game on the, on the ground. They're going to have their rookie quarterback. I know he's played really well, but at the same time, they're not going to want to put him out there and make him pass the ball 40, 35 times. I think they're going to be very run heavy and pass off of their running game. I think, though, their running game is going to be so good. And that's how, that's how they've won all year, and that's how they should continue to win until they lose in the Super Bowl. Reed, you said it. They're going to be without Jordy Nelson, and that's a huge, huge blow. Aaron Rodgers loves throwing to him. But Randall Cobb is going to be there. He had a bit of a re-breakout game in the playoffs. He had a poor, poor season. Believe me, I know. I was his fantasy owner this season. But he he had a great game, three touchdowns in that game, kind of ate the Giants' secondary alive in that game, especially the, especially the, the, the middle of the field, the middle of that secondary. But it all comes down to, in my opinion, it all comes down to how valuable you think a hot Aaron Rodgers is. If he goes out there and he plays the same way he did at the end of the first quarter against the Giants, in the second, at the end of the first half against the Giants, in the second half against the Giants, if he goes out there and is slinging the ball around with confidence, Dallas can't get any pressure on him, I really think Green Bay will win this game. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm not saying possible. that... No, I'm, I'm saying that they might win this game. I'm not taking them, but I'm saying if, if Aaron Rodgers goes out and he plays as hard as as well as he did against the Giants, you've got to give them a, yeah. a puncher's chance, and a, more than a puncher's chance. No, I, I agree. I think this is going to be a close game, guys. I think it can go either way. Depends on how they start. It's, it's going to be, you know, you want to see Green Bay get off to a really good start, in my opinion. You, you get down early at Dallas. It's going to be tough to overcome. It's going to be tough to come back from. Well, the question, uh-huh. the question I have for you guys: Say somehow Aaron Rodgers and the Packers jump out to a quick lead. Do you trust Dak Prescott to be a quarterback that can lead Dallas from say fourteen points down, ten points down through the passing game? Obviously, I, you know, I think he's much further ahead than what we thought. Um, they're they're at their best when there's balance. That's for sure, and nobody's doubting that. But I, I, I do think he can lead them back since it's in Dallas. If it was in Green Bay in, in the in the cold, it'd be much tougher. But with the home field advantage, I think Dak, he can make some serious throws and get them back in the game. But you know, it, it we we won't know until the game happens. So it, it's really tough to predict because we haven't seen Dak in a playoff game yet. Regardless of what happens, I think Dak, Zeke, and company, I think they need one more year to gel before they make a run at the Super Bowl. I think if they do escape with a win on this one, it's going to be real, real, real close. I think it's going to be a three-point game either way. And I would not be surprised if Green Bay pulled this one out. But I think they just need another year. You see it with rookie quarterbacks, and especially with a rookie running back as well. You just... Things it just people just need to gel together for a year. It takes it takes time. Yes, he's had a great season, but when it comes to playoff time, it's all different. And I think if they win this game, I think they either bow out in the conference championship or in the Super Bowl. I really don't think they win a ring this Is season. That a- they'll they'll be around there. They'll be around for a while. They'll be a top team for the next four or five years. But I don't think they're going to win a ring this season. Is that a Packers pick? I hear, or, or are you just kind of hedging the bets? It's real close. I. I, I might change my mind tomorrow. I might wake up for one-on-one tomorrow and say, you know what, I'm picking the Packers. That, but, that's, um, you didn't know that's the secret to the in- industry. You come on the podcast and <laughs> say the Dallas Cowboys. You go on one, one-on-one and say the Packers, then you know and then what? I, and then right I, I come on next week say, on NFL Friday and say I was right. And go back to the tape. Look, <laughs> Yeah, do the, uh, do the Colin Coward. I was, I'm always right with my hot takes. But anyway, I'm going to take the Cowboys right now. As I said, I might wake up tomorrow and come in and say, yeah, the, the Packers are going to win. But as of now, I'm taking the Cowboys. All right. All right, well, we we got to finish up quickly. Uh, Pittsburgh at KC. I'm going to go KC just because it's in KC. Arrowhead Stadium is so tough. Um, it's, it's unfortunate because I actually think Pittsburgh has a better chance of beating the Patriots than KC. I can't see Alex Smith beating Tom Brady. No. Um, even though I don't think either one really has a chance. Uh, but I'm, I have to go with KC. That defense in Kansas City, they're, just, they're too tough to stop when they're at home. So I'm going KC. I'm going to go Pittsburgh here, and I'm going to go in a blowout. I think, oh, wow. I really think that Pittsburgh is just far better, a much, much, much With better team. back to the Chiefs right there. Listen, they are not – they're a two-seed. Yes, it says they're a two-seed. It has a number two next to their name. But they were gifted that two-seed by that Derek Carr injury. They're a five. That is or, true. They I are agree. a five or a six, and they're a weak five or six if they even make it in. No, yes, not they, at all. They had, at they all. had that win against the, – their biggest win of the season is against Atlanta. That game was gifted to them off that crazy two-point convert, extra-point block run back for touchdown. If it's not for that, they lose that game, and they're fighting for a five-seed like, like I just mentioned. 
I really don't uh, think they're that good of a team. I that really was don't. a much stronger take than your Green Bay Dallas take. <laughs> I love it. Oh, well, thank you. This game's Although all... I disagree with it completely. And that one I'm bringing to one-on-one on one tomorrow. <laughs> I am not changing my mind. <laughs> this game's all about what do you value more, talent or talented coaching, right? I look at Kansas City. I love Andy Reid. I think he's a Hall of Fame level coach. So you're saying Mike Tomlin isn't talented? I have a this is my maybe quote unquote hot take. I think something's wrong with Terry Bradshaw. Something's wrong with Pittsburgh. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the AFC, arguably the best receiver in the in the NFL, and arguably arguably the best running back in the NFL, as well as a solid defense. And they're not, and they're they're in a wild card game. So looking at that roster, I have to say the talent's there. It must be the management. And we can get into the coachings off Joey Porter and Mike Tomlin. I know he's won a Super Bowl, but I just have a problem with their. Roethlisberger has called out Tomlin straight out in the press. I think they have problems internally in that te- with that team, and I think that that dysfunction started to bleed over into their performance on the field. That being said, Kansas City, you're right. I think that they are the weakest number two seed we've seen in a while. Yes. I want to say they're going to win because I've seen them go into the playoffs and not succeed, and I feel bad for them because they're a good team. They have a good fan base. I feel they deserve it. But I have to say, yeah, I see Pittsburgh coming out on top and facing uh, the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Reed, you make a very good point with the, with the fact that they have the best receiver in the conference, the best running back in the conference, and one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, and the fact that they really didn't put it together until late in the season really shows something about management. But the fact that they did put it together and the fact that they are red hot right now, what else? We've seen it in the past with... I mean, the Packers in 2010 is the prime example, or even the Giants in 2011 when they beat the Patriots. Yeah. I, or excuse you me, in 2008, in 2008 when they beat the Patriots. Advantage. You guys are really discounting this home field advantage. It is no different than when teams went into a, a Seattle this year and Seattle when they won the Super Bowl. Arrowhead Stadium is the second loudest stadium to play in behind Seattle. When's the, Christian, is, Christian, when's the last time Kansas City won a home playoff game? I, I, I don't know. It's a very, very long time. I, I can I, tell you two times off the top of my head, they lost. When was the last time they had a home playoff game? The last time they had a home playoff game was, I think, five years ago, and they I think they played the Ravens at home. I think home field advantage is overrated, though. I mean, I know it's helpful, but I don't think it – I mean, you're just, Every home team won last a hot, no, Excuse me. A, a hot team completely nullifies home field advantage. I'll say that. And yeah. the, the Pittsburgh Steelers are a hot team right now. It, so I, I, refu- I, I refuse to look at home field advantage. If you're a Super Bowl level team, if you're a team you, that can win a Super Bowl, I think you can oh. win at home or on the road. I don't think the, where you play is going to determine if you win a game or not. I'm not saying Pittsburgh can't win this game. Pittsburgh's extremely hot, and they're gelling at the right time. But you're completely discounting Casey's how powerful being in KC is. I just saw Brown against the Dolphins. I saw that explosiveness of they have both in the air and on the ground, and I look and see what if that happens in KC, which I expected to do. Does Kansas City and Alex Smith have the kind of firepower to keep up with them, and they don't? That's that's the equation I've come up with and the answer I found. Christian, last home playoff game for the Chiefs, 2010. They lost to the Ravens 30-7 as the four seed that year. They were not the same team, though. But I'm saying, John, you want to talk about Arrowhead as like this fortress that no team can win in. John, it's really loud. It's really loud. So? The proof is in the statistics. NFL players are afraid of loud noises. You don't get that? But Arrowhead is that much more effective when the team is that much better. This team is so much better than that team in 2010. Their defense is top-notch. They have, a, they have a good running game despite no Jamal Charles. They have a great coach in Andy Reid. And the stadium is going to be off the charts. It's going to be really cold. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a really tough game for Pittsburgh to win, in my opinion. But, Christian, wouldn't you say it's a quarterback-driven league, NFL, the NFL? Without a doubt. Without so, a doubt. so you really trust Alex Smith? No, to be a good enough quarterback to lead this team to, because there's going to be a moment, well, look, well, whether look, it's in this game or the future, he's going to have to show up and throw touchdown passes that are more than five yards. Who won, the last, who, won the last, who won the Super Bowl last year? Was it MVP Cam Newton or was it hobbling Peyton Manning? It was hobbling Peyton Manning. Great defense in Denver. Like Reed defense said, can still win championships. Peyton Manning may not be Peyton Manning, but he was better. Like Peyton Manning was still mentally up there, is way beyond what Alex Smith will ever be. Peyton Manning affected that team in different no, ways than just no, no doubt than driving the ball down the field. I'm looking at Alex Smith. I love Alex Smith, but think about this. When's the last time you saw a little kid with an Alex Smith jersey? <laughs> he's he's not a dynamic player. Like he's not that type of quarterback. That's why I said. I would much rather have Pittsburgh face New England because I think Pittsburgh has a much better chance of being New England. But 
always comes back to the Patriots. Kansas City has too much of an advantage because of home field advantage and their defense combined. That's fair. I'm not going to say you're wrong. I wouldn't. I'm not going to come back next so weekend I, if they I, win I and be like, "How did this Alex, happen?" Alex Smith is not enough of an inspiration for this team to solely win the game on that. But I just think the combination of defense and atmosphere is too great to overcome. But look, we disagree. We we agreed on a lot of things. That's progress for NFL Friday when we agree on as much as we did. Uh, I think we agreed on pretty much every game besides that. I mean, Seattle, Atlanta, not really. Side but. note, if Alex Smith is taken with the first pick in the second round and everyone looks back at his career as an amazing career, but because he was taken with the first pick, now everyone's going to be, yeah, he's good, he's not it bad. Same percept- same numbers. Perception's everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, before we 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 end this podcast, you guys want to touch on this. I don't. It, Chargers moving to L.A., um, we have a couple minutes. Quick, your thoughts on the move. Uh, unfortunate, good for for the Chargers long term. I think I understand it's a business move. It's the right business move, but I think it's not, it's not good for the NFL. I think the Rams have shown they haven't really um, excited the city yet to move another team to LA. I think you oversaturate the market now, and I think that the Chargers mistreated San Diego. I feel like. They, I mean, we can get into the whole discussion why should should cities pay public use public funds to pay for private stadiums, all that kind of stuff. But San Diego's been there for a long time, and the ownership pretty much spent more money to move than it would have cost to build a new stadium in San Diego. So this wasn't about money, and you know what? It leaves me with a bad taste in my mouth. Also, the logo's ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the logo be, say, being You're ugly is an understatement. Yeah, no, it's it's straight up plagiarism. Although it is not the official logo because it hasn't been approved by the NFL. I would just say, if you're a marketing person too, why would that be what you choose? Because as an LA fan, I think I said this in a pre-production meeting. We said I would just buy Los Angeles. If I have Los Angeles Dodger stuff, I'd just wear that it's to the, the game. Same it looks logo. the same thing. <laughs> it's the same logo. See, I think they're gonna sell less merchandise for that reason. <laughs> and it's, it's, and logo. it's Tampa Bay's logo. Tampa and, and the Dodgers. Yeah, the light Tampa Bay Lightning. The yeah, lightning. I think yeah. it just has to do with lightning. Kind of has a universal shape. I think that's more yeah, about, yeah, that's about true. it. That's true. <laughs> but I know what you mean, the blue, the white. No, the, yeah, the blue, yeah, the blue and the white. Here's, here's the thing that worries me the most, guys. They're playing in a 30,000-seat stadium for two years. Just think yeah. about that for a second. That is less than half of the of the second smallest stadium. I right like now. that better though. I wish stadiums were smaller. It's like the small bar bar effect. But when you no, when you are that much you when you're playing in a stadium that's that much smaller than the next smallest, that's just first of all that's embarrassing. Second of all, they're really going to hurt in in ticket sales. And third of all, yeah, you said it Reed, they're not going to sell any sort of revenue because why not just go out and buy an LA no, Dodgers? But hat? I think I think all of their all of their games now are going to look sold out, and it's going to seem more electric once you're in the game. There's no guarantee they sell out even thirty thousand. Okay, assuming they do, I well, it's my I'm even get to a different that's theory. A- I like smaller stadiums. I think I think teams should have smaller stadiums. <laughs> no, that's in general. fair. No, that's fair. All right. Well, I mean, John, you're gonna have plenty of time to talk about this. Oh tomorrow. yes, I am. Here's a, here. I'll leave it on this, guys. San Diego is the seventh most populated metropolitan area in the country, and they currently have one big four sporting team. They have other things to do there. Yeah, it's sad. They it's have many sad. other... No, he's... he's it's, it's, it's very. Place. It's a beautiful place, and they've got a lot of other things to do to go, then, then go see a sports game. But right now, the Padres are the only big four team out there. They're the, uh, really, the they're only professional sports team. And they don't bring much... They don't, they don't bring much to the table anyway. So it's just, it's just quite peculiar that such a big market has only one team. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's tough for their fans. But, I, you know, this is a great podcast. I actually had a lot of fun talking. It's always fun talking playoffs. Um, a lot of good takes from, from you guys. Uh, fun time. And we, I think we have a good weekend ahead of us, football-wise. Uh, should have four, three good games, one, one, one bloodbath with New England. Um, <laughs> Don't jinx anyway, it. Anyway, thanks to Reed Orner. Thanks to John Furlong. Um, I'm Christian Goey. We'll talk next week. Recap these four games coming up.